all the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 214. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com senior editor Ben Morse coming from you live on location from beautiful New Jersey. Sunny-ish New Jersey. Sunny in New Jersey. Uh, I'm on assignment. That assignment being sitting um, on my couch. Fair enough. I wish I was on that assignment right now. I know. I I wish you were too. Yeah. Um, Kick back. Hang out. How was your holiday? My holiday was very nice. I took a trip down to uh, our nation's capital, saw some family. Uh, my brother-in-law is a tremendous cook, um, so that is my favorite thing about him. Um, <laughs> no, he's also a really good dude, but still my favorite thing about him. Um, yeah, got to see my sister's new son again. Um, got to quiet him down when no one else could. Made me feel special for a second until he started crying again. um you know all that good stuff how about you uh it was good it was uh a lot of cleaning uh a lot of cooking some traveling uh and then the last two days was a lot of relaxing reading all the comics that came out this week yesterday Uh, oh man you did them all in one day all in one day uh played a lot of assassin's creed saw friends and family ate a lot of food it was good i saw some pictures you look to be you look to be doing well jovial yeah the whole the whole fam was there yes uh so listeners we hope you had a wonderful thanksgiving and if you're just joining us this is the official marvel podcast of all things marvel we're going to talk about new comics out this week print and digital collections single issues all that good stuff uh then we're going to get to some news we'll see what's up with the west coast Strami and the wolfman we'll come back for your questions and comments uh and if you're just joining us, you want to send in your questions and comments for us to talk about on another episode, use hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. We'll pull them up, put them in the document, and talk about them later. And uh, we're going to kick things off this week with uh, comics, all new, all different, Avengers numero dos. Uh, this is written by Mark Wade, art by Andy Kubert, colors by Sonia Obak. Uh, awesome to see Sonia Obak uh, yeah, doing very colors. Cool. Uh, very cool, and so this picks up right where we left off. Uh, the Avengers had gotten their butts kicked hardcore uh, by this dude. What's his name? Warbringer. I think Warbringer. Name. It's cool because he was just kind of a random Nova villain. Yeah. Um, I mean, not random in that he was kind of the big bad of Nova's final few issues. But uh, it's cool to see Mark Wade recognize. All right, this is a cool villain with potential. You know, we're always saying like we, we need need new blood in the Marvel universe and elevating him up to Avengers level. Yes. Uh, and this is really the story of how the Avengers, this group of Avengers came together. Cause they really aren't Avengers yet. Uh, no, they say so as several times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they make it clear. T- totally. Tony and Sam Wilson. And uh, they're sort of come together to this. And then vision pulls his, you know, comes into it. Uh, Miles, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man comes into it. And then uh, Warbringer having already trounced this uh, new group of Avengers goes off. He's looking for Chitauri artifacts. Uh, We're not, fully sure why there's some guesses in here some things that they talk about uh but he's going for these chitauri artifacts that are scattered around uh throughout the earth 
you know, really there's like New York and New Jersey, and we'll see where else he goes. But he he's going around, and Nova's like, oh crap, oh crap, I gotta go after him. And he runs right into Ms. Marvel. There's a great uh, couple of scenes with Ms. Marvel, Nova, and Warbringer that are uh, hilarious, embarrassing, yeah. and <laughs> wonderful. And uh, what I love Kubert's art. I mean, we always love Kubert's art, but here it's like this crazy sense of scale. Warbringer, his Warbringer is enormous. This monstrous character. It's uh, it's pretty fantastic, and I love the way he, um, you know, illustrates uh, Ms. Marvel's embiggening powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, he's just like plays around with like her making her hands really big or doing this, that, the other thing. Uh, by the end of it, uh, we get to see Thor pop up into the picture, but that really doesn't help them too much, uh, and they are not having a great go of it so far. No, it's a very unsuccessful first mission for the not Avengers. Yes. Maybe they should have stuck with Avengers. That seems to be a more inspiring name. It is. Uh, from one team to another, we've got all new Inhumans number one. This is the second, I'll call it, flagship book of the Inhumans because well over in Uncanny Inhumans, it's everything going on in New York City, in New Adelan, Medusa, Black Bolt, that whole crew. Over here, we've got writers James Asmus and Charles Soule, along with artists Stefano Caselli and Andres Mosa on colors. Introducing us to the other Inhumans. And in this case, the other Inhumans are based on the uh, royal flagship that they've they've set down to port, essentially, over Australia, over Sydney, in much the same way that New Adelan is settled over New York City. And the goal of this splinter group of Inhumans is to, number one, be they're, on the surface, they're supposed to be on a diplomatic mission. They're supposed to spread in human influence across the earth and um, and they're doing that. But what they're really trying to do is locate these sky spheres, which are these artifacts that are mucking with inhuman powers. They are turning some inhumans on. They are putting other ones out of control. So what we get is Gorgon, Flint and Grid uh, on their way in. Gorgon, who is in a wheelchair, is trying to train the other two. Um, And he does it in a very extreme way, which is pretty fun. Uh, Once they get there, they meet up with Crystal, my personal favorite in human, the elemental. I bet you were having a field day with this issue. You know, I'm really, I'm trying. I'm trying (laughs) to be good here. Like, I like, Charles Charles told me he was going to make me like Crystal, and I'm going to give him a shot to do it. She is pretty... Tremendous in this issue. Um, She is really showing off her powers, the elemental powers. She's dealing with this group of hate mongers. Interesting group of hate mongers that they don't like in humans. You're really getting more of a sense of the whole scope of what's going on within human, human, mutant even relations. Where it seems like humans are even more disliked than mutants at this point. Because there's this perception that in humans and Terrigen is... They made the mutants sick. They're going to make the humans sick. So you have this group of Australian extremists who are coming after Inhumans. They've captured one of them. Uh, Naja tries to save them, but isn't quite up to it. So Crystal has to come in. The kind of the twist here is that one of them has become an Inhuman, and he becomes sort of a rogue element. I hope we haven't seen the last of him, because it's it's always interesting that idea that he you know 
in his heart, he's one of the humans who hates the Inhumans, but now he has somewhat become an Inhuman. So we find out that uh, Crystal, Gorgon, they are leading this team. They're going to try to make things better, but they're also going to try to locate these skyscrapers and find out what's going on. You get a visit from Medusa, who needles Crystal a little, because of course they're sisters. And you also have this great new character um, who is going so i can get her name here uh they uh swain swain is the inhuman who basically just looks like she's dressed like she's at a ren fair or something but she has a tail and as far as i can tell her inhuman power is having a tail and she is the focus of the backup story which is written once again by james asmus Art, in this case, by Nico Leone, still colors by Andres Massa. It shows three months ago how the UN came to the um, Royal Inhuman Vessel and how Swain welcomed them and Crystal was there. But they basically, um, Frenzy, who we remember from the X-Men, specifically from X-Men Legacy most recently, shows up on behalf of mutants to say, I don't like the Inhumans. And Crystal fights Frenzy. It ends up coming off pretty well for them, but there's more than meets the eye going on there. So a lot of room for inhuman stories in the Marvel Universe and this showing us the inhumans from a different perspective. I thought it was cool because where he's uncanny inhumans felt very kind of almost traditional superhero fighting Kang and all that. All new inhumans feels more like a political intrigue book. So we'll see where that goes, but I dug it. Yeah, I dug it too. Swain is awesome, and I like having Frenzy there. Like, there's a lot of cool dynamics going on here, and I really love, like, their ship that they travel on. Yeah, the Royal Inhuman Vessel, or the R.I.V. The Riv. The Uh, Riv. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of books with really cool uh, modes of transport, we've got (laughs) all-new X-Men number one by uh, writer Dennis Hopeless, art by Mark Bagley and Andrew Hennessy, colors by Nolan Woodard. And uh, this is, you know, following uh, some of the time-displaced X-Men that we know, uh, some of the characters from, you know, the, the previous all-new X-Men, and some, some characters that uh, are new to this crew. Uh, so it's a cool mix. You've got X-23 uh, doing the smoochy time with Angel. <laughs> uh, there's a really fun dynamic there, like... I like Laura, like the way that she is now between her book and this book, like there's a sense of life and uh, vitality to her that isn't just like murder, 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 uh, which is great. Um, we got we get to see that, OK, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff. The kids went in different ways. Uh, Scott's doing his own thing. Uh, Jean, as we'll see in another book, is doing her own thing. Uh, we've got... Um, you know, Iceman in one place, you've got Beast over here, and this is about them, some of them at least, coming together. Uh, what Cyclops is getting involved in, and it's really under the backdrop of, oh, like the older Cyclops, he did some pretty crappy stuff, and he's now dead. Yeah. Uh, so people are kind of not into mutants right now, and then boom, we find out that there are actually this group of young mutants, uh, six of them, with uh, all kinds of cool, weird powers, but they are, you know, pretending to be Cyclops enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, but while doing that, they're also like robbing and stealing and being jerks. They have little Cyclops bandanas that I would totally wear. Yes, you would. 
Absolutely. I love me a good bandana. <laughs> uh, so they have these bandanas and, you know, Cyclops unfortunately gets involved with them. Uh, at the same time, um, we get to see, you know, the various other characters starting to come together. Uh, it's great to see Evan, uh, who would be Apocalypse, possibly, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, him in here and um, uh, what's her butt? Edie. Edie, thank you. Um, you don't really see her use her powers in this, though. Maybe no, not really. Yeah, um, which is fine. Um, but we got her, and we've got a uh, this like RV that Beast has cooked up that is essentially the TARDIS uh, because it's bigger on the inside, and it has this trans uh, transportation, this um, teleportation ability that I will not spoil because it was such a delight <laughs> how that all worked out uh but it's really cool there's fighting there's ideologies there's young people doing awesome stuff and it is a super fun book and uh it's it's rad yeah it reminded me very much of just a, a it, it reminded me a little bit of new warriors to be honest um the original new warriors that oh, i'm yeah. so fond of uh just the feel of these young people who are kind of thrown together because now that it's not just the original five X-Men, now that we have the new dynamic of X-23, who's been there for a little bit, we've got Evan and Edie who are just coming in. It really has this feel of young people thrown together, having awesome adventures. It is fun. Uh, there is deeper stuff. So yeah, it actually reminded me of New Warriors a lot now that I talked about it, um, which is the best possible thing. And it was drawn by Mark Bagley. So it reminds me even more of the early New Warriors stuff which is the highest possible compliment I can give. It really is. <laughs> Speaking of things that are fun, um, we're going to talk about Daredevil, which is not so fun, but it's really, really good. Um, it's dark. It's gritty. If you watched the Netflix Daredevil series and then read the Mark Wade comics, and there may have been a little bit of a disconnect, fear no more, because uh, this series, written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, colors by Matt Mila, as much as we loved and we're sad to see the mark wade series go this goes in a completely different direction which i think is the best possible way to go because there's no point in trying to do a pale imitation of what just came so instead charles is going in a completely different direction matt is back in new york city he's got a darker costume ron garney is drawing some of the greatest stuff i've ever seen from him and that's saying something uh because ron garney is an amazing artist and we pick right up with Daredevil jumping off a bridge, trying to save this criminal who's got bricks tied all around his leg. He's being thrown to his death by guys up top of the Manhattan Bridge. Uh, he has to use right, right, right away. We see a creative use of Daredevil's powers. The fact that he's underwater and he can't use his radar sense. He has to overcome that. He finds a way he could just save this guy and slink away but instead he goes and fights all these guys who throw him off the bridge because of course he does they're working for a gang called 10 fingers which is really interesting charles just building a lot of mythology right off the bat and daredevil getting a little overwhelmed by them fortunately has a new partner in the form of blind spot who's this guy who can go invisible but of course daredevil can see him because he's not invisible to daredevil they have an interesting mentor uh, student relationship we also get to see Matt with Foggy, and things are not the same there. Um, we get the sense that Matt has his secret identity back. We don't know how, but that Foggy is pissed off about it, and also that Foggy still knows Matt is Daredevil 
but he is the only one who knows. And he's not happy about this. So it's very flipped. And then we go to Matt's new, um, Matt's new law practice. And by that, I mean, he is a lowly ADA, a lowly assistant district attorney. Um, and he is, <laughs> he is in the bottom of an elevator shaft. That is his office because he is that low down. Um, so he is now, he is no longer defending the innocent. He is now a prosecutor. So he's trying to put people away. So his court dynamic is different. His daredevil persona is different. Everything's different and we don't know how yet, but I liked kind of being thrown in. Um, and we meet the head of the 10 fingers gang at the end. And we also see a twist that looks like it's probably going to spell a lot of trouble for Matt. But again, I really just want to go back to the, the art here. Garney is wonderful with just use of blacks and just use of jagged edges and choreographing fight scenes. All the stuff he's a specialist at is on display here. Matt Mia just is a revelation. Um, the colors here are not the bright popping reds and yellows and purples and greens it's it, it's basically it's a lot of almost like a black and white comic with a lot of grayscales. red is the only color that pops out because that's the undercurrent of daredevil's costume he uses it to highlight just things like his boots and his gloves and uses his kind of like anytime he needs to show any color it's just a different shade of red so it's this black and white story filtered through red and it's just it's it's brilliant the art is brilliant what Charles is doing is brilliant. It's a high art in, uh, issue, to be sure. Very striking. Very striking. Right. We are on to Doctor Strange, number three, written by Jason Aaron, art by Chris Chris Pachalo. Is that how you say his name? Pachalo? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Chris Pachalo, uh, inks by Tim Townsend, Alve, Mark Irwin, and uh, colors also by Chris Pachalo, which is awesome. I mean, dude's dude's great. Um, Man does it all. And it's, I think that it's like one of those dudes who, I, I not the only person who can do a book like this in this way, but it's so perfect for him. You've got Doctor Strange naked running through New York fighting uh, these magic-eating slugs. And if that doesn't hook you... No, I mean, come on. What are we here for? Exactly. So these magic-eating slugs are here because um, they they eat magic and they're running away. And we find out throughout the course of the issue that they are running away from horrible things. Uh, the same horrible things we've been learning about the first two issues. Uh, there is this group who is trying to eradicate all magic. And that's a terrible thing because magic can be pretty cool. And uh, Doctor Strange is in here. He's slowly but surely learning about this thing. And uh, like, there's this big couple of pages in here where he sees something totally just like earth-shattering to him and, and his people, his culture, like the magic culture and everything that he knows, uh, which is like a huge moment. And then boom, we go over to these uh, these crazy magic destroyers, and they're just, they're awful. They are terrible, terrible things. I love this series. Issue was terrific. Yes. Also terrific, Extraordinary X-Men number three, written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Umberto Ramos. Inks by Victor Olazaba. Colors by Edgar Delgado. This book's been coming out at a pretty uh, 
pretty fast paced. So we're getting things set up nice and quick, which is nice because we have a lot to set up. We have young Jean Grey visiting old man Logan. Wrap your help, wrap your heads around that for a second up in uh, Man- Manitoba, Canada, and trying to convince him to come out of his self-imposed exile and help the X-Men. Because now that she has realized she can't lead the normal life she was trying to lead, she wants to get back to doing what she does best, and that's being a hero. The X-Men could use their help right now because they are in limbo, where X-Haven, their new school is, and they are under assault by demons. Basically, Ilyana magic has been protecting them kind of keeping all the demons back at any given time but ilyana has gone missing if you read the last issue you know why if you don't know why i'm not going to tell you because i want you to read the last issue and this issue as well but we've got iceman storm forge and cerebra who is a retrofitted sentinel that forge has done up as well as some students including glob herman all-star x-man and uh anole and a new recruit who we just met last issue or two issues ago. And we have Iceman using his powers in new, cool, different ways. Basically, he has stored up an army of snowmen, as he calls them. He goes, I'm, I'm busy controlling my snowman army when Storm asks what he's doing. So they're able to hold the demons at bay for a little while using various powers, but they're not having total success at it. They don't know where magic is. They don't know where Colossus is. They don't know where Nightcrawler is. They get up off the mat. They do their best, but they get reinforcements in the form of Gene and Logan, who finally show up at the end. And it looks like they've still got a huge fight on their hands. And the next issue is going to bring in an even greater menace. I love a great menace, I'll tell you that much. Um, (laughs) Speaking of great menaces, we've got Guardians of Infinity number one, where our intrepid heroes will face uh, many a menace. And there's even one uh, in the backup story, uh, which is a little uh, unexpected. Uh, We've got uh, uh, the... Two stories in this one, as I alluded to. First one is by Dan Abnett and Carl Barberi, Walden Wan, and Israel Silva. And it introduces uh, us to the three teams of Guardians here. Uh, two of them, the one that we know from you know now. And what I like about this, and I think some other stuff that we see maybe this week, or I've just been reading so many comics, um, the Guardians can sort of exist as... You know, they don't need you don't need all five, six, seven members of the Guardians to have like a great Guardian story. Right. You know, like you can have Rocket and Groot and Drax like in here or you can have Gamora and Peter Quill or whomever. And it it totally works. Uh, But we've got our current Guardians meeting up Guardians from the 31st century. There's a lot of snark. There's a lot of shade thrown. uh, There's a lot of fighting. Charlie 27, who is just always going to be one of my favorites, is up in here. Uh, And then boom, some crazy time travel happens and we meet another group of Guardians. Uh, And it is terrific. I don't know what they are because they're really weird. All new characters as far as I can tell. Oh yeah, all new. Yep. Then, then it's our backup story. Oh my gosh. I, this took me completely by surprise. Oh, you didn't know. I knew. Okay. Let me put it this way. I knew that it was going to be revolving around Ben Grimm and his his time as a wrestler. I did not know how deep Jason. Like I didn't I didn't know if Jason Latour was just a layman writing some old stuff, homaging Ben Grimm's 1980s wrestling career. I did not realize he was clearly this much of a fan to the point where Ben Grimm looking like Ric Flair, or Dusty Rhodes on a backdrop that looks like the old. 
WCW set from the 80s is the first image we see in this story. And it just goes from there. Yeah, it is incredible. So Jason is legit. He and I have talked wrestling numerous times now. See, I've never talked wrestling with him, so I didn't know I didn't know he was that in. Oh yeah. And he he owns Zubaz. Oh, uh, well there you go. He lives and breathes it, man. He is the man. Uh so this story is called To Be the Man, which if you're a wrestling fan, you know the, mm-hmm. that phrase is to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Classic stuff. And uh, it's written by Jason Latour, art by the incredible Jim Chung, who we do not get enough uh, from. No. So it's always like an event when he does his uh, does pencils. We, inks by John Dell, who um, is just amazing. Uh, and colors by Laura Martin. So it's like, what a team to tell a story about Ben Grimm, uh, the wrestler on an alien planet. And it's amazing. So like the idea is that Ben Grimm was... Uh, a wrestler back in the day, unlimited class wrestling. Those broadcasts have gone out to space, and now there's this whole planet that uh, absorbs, you know, entertainment and stuff like that. And they think like that's that's the thing. They see yeah. this whole thing as like they see these historical documents, so to speak, maybe. Um, and uh, so they like. Ben Grimm is there. He's crashed there with Rocket, and he's got to wrestle his way to their freedom. And it's just incredible. Fighting, fighting. It's it's a really cool story about uh, being a good guy, being a bad guy, perception, reality, uh, you know, a shoot versus a work, like all kinds of great stuff in here. And it's really, really incredible. It also has some of my favorite, like, little throwaway things that are, are you know, you see in comics, like uh, this brand of uh, little frozen tacos, this mm-hmm. uh, TV show called Muttlock, uh, this other TV show, um, Golden Growls, which I want to watch right now. I would uh, watch both of those shows. Oh, my God. I love Golden Girls so much, so Golden Growls <laughs> would be the best thing ever. This is one of my favorite stories, period. So good. Very, very good. And just the, the use of the jargon, face oh, yeah. appeal. Yeah. Um, half the people might not get it because he doesn't really take time to explain it. I don't care. It's 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 right there in the context of the story. Um, it's beautiful. Bravo to you, Jason Latour. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. And bravo to you, Chip Zdarsky and Veronica Fish, who are responsible for Howard the Duck number two, which came out of nowhere. Super emotional packed issue you know pick up howard the duck it's usually good for a chuckle this this issue was really deep i was a deep emotional cut um we go back to the collector's world where the collector during the first volume of howard the duck had howard and rocket raccoon captured for a little bit during the time he had captured them he had made female clones of both of them because that is the collector's deal he wants any species he has to reproduce. So he needs to make female versions of them. And there are no female versions of Rocket and Howard. So this works out perfectly. Unfortunately, Rocket and Howard escape. And that means they're stuck with these female clones. And what do you do with them? Well, you're just going to hold on to them and you're going to clone them. You're going to experiment on them and do all this stuff. Um, It's the origin of these characters who showed up at the end of Howard the Duck number one. But you've got oh man, there's so much depth here. One of the gatherers, um, and that's just basically the collector's shock troops, the guys who work for him, who go around getting his stuff. 
um, is tasked with basically taking care of these two young creatures, this rocket, this female rocket, who's called Shocket, and this female Howard, who's called Linda. And, you know, it's, it's a story of basically them becoming a family. And there's time travel involved, and there's unexpected twists and loyalty that jumps around. You'll get a few pages on six months ago. Then you'll get a few pages on uh, them back in time because they're trying to get away from the collector. This gatherer goes through an amazing change as far as just seeing these, 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 I mean, they're essentially little girls who, who grow up and become women. Um, even if they are rocket and Howard, the duck clones, uh, you get a silver surfer guest appearance and you get a really sad sacrifice that by the end of this story, you care so much about these characters who have existed for literally an issue and one page and you're really invested in what's going on with them. And so when we pick up next month and go back to where Howard was with the Nexus of All Realities and these two new characters, you seriously have a whole... I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be more concerned about Howard or these new characters. They're great. I This issue crushed me. Yeah. I was not expecting it. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, Howard the Duck. I'm so excited. And then... Like I, I started reading it and I was like, wait, what's going on? I yeah, the, I know. I read the recap page again. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I had a, I was getting into like, cause he's obviously not Howard and not Rocket, but it took me a, a second. I got into it and it was just like, I was reading it on the couch and I went, <gasps> and like, you know, like gasping and like, oh God, no. And my wife is like, "What? What's wrong?" And I'm like, "I'm reading a comic book, and it's amazing." She's like, uh, "I feel like she's got she's got to be used to that at this point." Oh, though. totally. And she she's the same way. So she right, right, right. I imagine she had yesterday. She finally read Vision number one, and she's like, "Oh." Well, she came out and she was like, "Vision number one, what the hell?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, believe yeah. it." So anyway, yes. Oh my God, this issue. Incredible. Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, when I get an unbeatable Squirrel Girl or Howard the Duck, I'm like, oh, good, a nice little break in my day, you know, a nice little let, let's chuckle for a sec after all this this angst from the Daredevils and uh, the all new X-Men's of the world, although all new X-Men was really fun. So that was a poor example. But you get what I'm saying. Um, and so for Chip Zdarsky to basically say, like, fooled ya, you know, I can I can do more than just funny. Um, really hats off to him and to Veronica Fish, who Joe Canonis is not easy to fill in for. But Veronica Fish gave this whole issue a really great art feel uh, and there's also a backup story by christopher hastings and danilo baruth uh, continuing the misadventures of gwenpool and here we find out how gwenpool got her name and it's not necessarily what you'd expect so nope. it's kind of cool yeah. and howard's and howard's there too yes he is all right up next we've got invincible iron man number four i can't believe we're already at issue four this seriously team, this team is killing it brian michael Bendis. David Marquez, Justin Ponsor, uh, just going crazy. I wish the title of this issue, and I don't think it is, uh, I wish the title of this issue was called Moonlight Ninja Fight Beach Party Go, uh, because that's a line in this book, and it is incredible. It so is. It's used multiple times. Yeah. You've got Tony uh, in awesome versions of his armor. I love this new armor that can sort of, you know, he wants it to do one thing, he can make it do that, switch yep. it up, and it's the same armor doing different functions. It's really cool. He is on the beach fighting ninjas in the moonlight, and the ninjas have their own, like, armor and their own, like, 
cool swords and all this other stuff. I feel like stuff. that should be a song. Fighting yeah. ninjas in the moonlight. Ooh, that'd be really right? good. Um, so he's he's fighting them. Uh, some crazy stuff happens. Uh, he gets to learn a little bit more about them, but then they are gone. Boom. Uh, we get lots of great Friday sassiness that he is programmed into her, which just is terrific at one point. Uh, he even programs himself into his armor to make him do something he doesn't Oh, yeah, that do. was great. <laughs> oh, was so good. Uh, we get a really cool scene with Tony... Um, uh, just going and visiting some sick kids. And there's a really cool, like, make sure you read the letters column yes. uh, in the back because it, it adds a lot of context to that whole scene. And it's really, really cool. Uh, you've got Victor Von Doom uh, in his suit eating potato chips. I I really, really hope he's like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. In Ocean's Eleven where every time he shows up, he's eating something. Yep, because that would oh. make me so happy. Is this... I'm going to throw this to the fans and the historians out there. We may need to get Peter Sanderson on for this one. Is this the first time we've seen Doom eating potato chips? Ooh, it might to my, be. To my memory, I don't think he's ever, you know, popped a Pringle before or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. Although now that he's, get, now that he's got the scent. <laughs> um, we get to see how Mary Jane Watson uh, may get introduced to the story and uh, some craziness right at the end. Uh, just... Whiz bang, super terrific issue. Okay, cool. We got a double shot here of, first of all, real quick, slotted in. It's not on our format, but I read it, so I'll mention it. And that's Miracle Man number five, uh, reprinting classic stories by Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. Here we get Spy Story, which is a really twisty, uh, almost kind of like the prisoner type story with multiple layers. We also get a story called Screaming which I'm not sure if I'd actually ever read before, which which uh, flashes back to a minor character from the early Miracle Man stuff and shows what he's been up to. So continuing to explore the world that Miracle Man has created. Okay, so we continue on to Nova number two, written by Sean Ryan, art by Corey Smith, colors by David Curiel. Um, I, I, like the, uh, I like the titles page here. The Marvel Comics proudly presents Sam Alexander is Nova, the human rocket setting up the feel of this book. What's going on here is that it's Saturday, so Sam is going to go chill. Uh, his dad has to go to work. He has to go work at the mine, but Sam's just going to go play some mini golf with his buddies, um, or that's the plan at least, until Jesse Alexander, the elder Alexander, finds a terrifically designed Sean Ryan creature, really grisly and nasty looking, this giant monster that shows up. Um, this is a thing we seem to be noticing. There seems to be a lot of giant monsters between here, between Miss Marvel. Um, we'll see another one in another issue coming up. But Sam brings Jesse his helmet. They go to work. Jesse gets in the line of fire. Something pretty bad happens. And Sam sees something he probably wasn't supposed to see. Goes back, finishes off the monster, uses his powers in creative ways, goes back to find Jesse. Jesse is no longer there. So now Sam is faced with the fact that he defeated this monster. He was able to do everything, but his dad, who he spent literally the entire first volume of his book looking for, is now missing. And also there may be more than meets the eye to his dad. So really emotional stuff for Sam. Yeah. Um, some really crazy stuff that right at the end, I was, I had, I had a lot of, 
moments yesterday. <laughs> um, all right, on to Red Wolf, number one, written by Nathan Edmondson, art by Dalibor Talajik, inks by Jose Marzan Jr., colors by Miroslav Merva. And uh, so this is set in 1872. Boom, right in 1872, you've got uh, Red Wolf, and like it feels like we've just come out of the 1872 story. Right. Which is perfect, read. which is yeah. what we wanted. It feels whether or not like the, everything's the same. We don't know, but that has that perfect feel. So you can pick it right up uh, or you can dive right into it totally new and get a sense of this world and what's going on. And you get a little bit of red wolf's life and his family and his place in the society and how tough it is. And then boom, you find there's some really weird stuff going on. He goes to investigate, um, Things basically take a turn for the worse. There's a dude with a green glowing eye uh, who is just awful. Such a jerk. Um, that guy comes in, and then we get to see how in in how in possibly could Red Wolf come to our time, our place, if that's the case. And then, boom, it goes right there. All right, uh... I don't something might have just happened. So if you didn't hear hear all the end of the Red Wolf stuff, then it was dope and uh sets us right up for where Red Wolf will be in the Marvel universe. If you did hear all of it, then you already heard it. So great. We're continuing. Yep. It's a choose your own adventure edition of uh This Week in Marvel in which fate chooses your adventure for you. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see Red Wolf in the Marvel Universe. Another thing I'm excited for and uh, was really psyched to see it pop up in our stack this week was Spidey number one, which is written by Robbie Thompson, art by Nick Bradshaw. Uh, the art, whew, boy, the art. One thing I'm going to say right off the bat, because I know some people are probably going to be wondering about it. Don't worry your pretty little heads trying to fit this comic into continuity. It's a story about Peter Parker in high school. Um, why is Gwen Stacy there? Don't worry about it. This is just, this is not something, it's not some bigger conspiracy of, oh, they're sliding the timelines, they're trying to do this. It's just trying to tell kind of an evergreen story with characters that people know. So just get a kick out of it. We get a quick recap of Spider-Man's origin. Then we have Spidey, as he knows, he, he fights the White Rabbit, which is really fun, and then goes to school. I love how Nick Bradshaw draws the spider sense here. So it's not just lines extreme. It's actually like almost a spider symbol. But Robbie Thompson just nails kind of the teen drama feel of this. This is a different kind of book. It's not a straight adult Spider-Man book. You get the Flash Thompson stuff. You get Peter going on a field trip, which, as he notes, never works out well for him. You get a great fight with Dr. Octopus. You get all the dual identity stuff where Peter kind of has to look like a nerd in order to go and change into Spider-Man. Just classic stuff. Nick Bradshaw, who, again, much like Jim Chung, we don't always get to see enough of, doing amazing work. And it is a larger story involving the Osbournes, involving some stuff like that. And it looks like next issue we're going to get Sandman. So if you're looking for just a good, fun Spider-Man book where continuity is not necessarily a huge thing, it's really just I want to see Peter Parker living his high school life. I want to see him interacting with his classic supporting characters. I want to see him fighting his big bad guys. This is it. Spidey number one. Um, it was a lot of fun. Super fun. And that, 
That art's so good. Such good art. Nick Bradshaw, I we got so used to him as an X-Men artist, or and even get seen to get him do some stuff on Guardians of the Galaxy. He really does a great job with Spider-Man, just getting to draw the limbs all contorted and the spinning and the fight scenes. And I'm, it was cool seeing him take on Doc Ock. I'm really excited to see his Sandman, some excellent stuff. Yes. All right. Uh, we've got Star Wars number 13. Oh, man, Ryan. <laughs> oh, this Star Wars book, dude. Right? I Listen, first of all, I got to say that on my trip to and from Washington, D.C., I picked up Entertainment Weekly and read their Star Wars preview issue. So I'm very like I'm in a Star Wars mindset. I'm, I'm really I'm really trying. I'm really getting there. And I think I'm doing it. I think I'm succeeding. And then to read this. Oh, this was this was my I know you really like the first chapter of Vader down this chapter of Vader down, which features barely any Vader and I'll let you summarize it, but I, it was, it was my favorite. I loved it so much. Yes, it was. Oh my God. So incredible. I mean, picks up right where we left off with the previous part of the story. Uh, and it goes right into a conversation, uh, a droid conversation, which, you know, is always uh, delightful, especially on this page. You've got be the tweet, boop, 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 bleep, bleep, and like going back and forth. Uh, they're obviously cursing. R two is a foul mouth astromech, as we yes. find out. Um, it's it's really really fun. That's uh, a pretty big reveal, no? No, you kind of get the sense no? in the movies. Oh, you, already get that sense. you don't okay. like know it, but uh, it's never spelled out. But you get that sense in the movies. Okay. Um, I thought this was historic. I thought this was like Doctor Doom eating chips level stuff. <laughs> But we do get to see R2 face-off against uh, BT? BT? Yeah. Yeah. BT. Um, and it's hilarious and scary. Um, we get Han and Chewie getting involved in things. Arms are pulled off here. Uh, crazy wasp worm things are uh, employed in battle. Flamethrowers, rockets, uh, lightsabers through things things that maybe talk uh <laughs> that move that kind of live uh there's violence and just insanity and it is fantastic and the battles rage um and it's a really cool way to possibly see them pulled out of the story you know see our droids and dr afra because you know this set well before uh well in, in between episodes four and five, and we don't see those characters in the movies. So it, it, it could be that this is how they go uh, through this story. So we'll see. It's, it's really cool. Kind of heartbreaking as well, because I love those characters so much. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to see them gone. Uh, I do not want to see them gone at all. I want to see them off having their own twisted adventures. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they'll be free and off to Rome. And it's, it's really great. Uh, by the end, uh, Vader makes a, this is a very Vaderless issue until towards the end. Yeah. And it, it's very impactful when he does show up. Absolutely. Oh, I just enjoyed it so much. I, I enjoyed the fights between the droids. I enjoyed Han and Aphra's back and forth. I enjoyed what happened to both of them. I loved all of it. Uh, it really, really, really made me smile. Another thing that made me smile just from the cover on was Totally Awesome Hulk number one, written by Greg Pak, art by Frank Cho. And you mentioned earlier Sonia Oback here doing colors once again. And we're introduced to Amadeus Cho, now the Totally Awesome Hulk. Still eating tempura double bacon cheeseburgers with triple dip fried duck skin garnish. 
by the ton so that he can transform into the totally awesome Hulk, this new version of the Hulk with a faux hawk who fights double-headed turtle monsters and is going across the country with his sister, Maddie Cho, who punches him in the face at one point because he's pretty irresponsible. He's just out there having fun, goofing off, unlike any Hulk we've ever seen before. I think what she's most concerned about is that he thinks he has his monster under control, which is something Hulks have never been good at. We get a little glimpse into what happened with Bruce Banner, why he might not be the Hulk anymore, but we do not get the full story. And then we get Amadeus chasing across to find more monsters, teaming up with She-Hulk, who he has a hilarious dynamic with, teaming up with Miles Morales Spider-Man to fight more monsters. Why is he fighting all these monsters? He's shrinking them down. He meets Lady Hellbender, the monster queen of Seknarf 9, who is obviously going to be very important. But Amadeus is not really concerned with her threat level. He notices something else about her right away. And if you're reading a story about a teenage boy as the Hulk fighting the typical Marvel villainess, you may know what I am talking about. But definitely very different on the Hulk. We're so used to the Hulk being this kind of tragedy-fueled rage thing that to see the Hulk as almost wish fulfillment is definitely a different tack to take. I loved it so much. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> I, I also want their ability to shrink down the little monsters and turn them into amazing pets. Take them out. Nice little pets. Uh, because one of them looks like a two-headed Gamera, and that's pretty much all I've ever wanted in life. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, all right. Last book of the week is The Vision, oh. number two, <laughs> written by Tom King, art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, colors by Jordi Belair, and this... Um, I mean, the end of last issue, I don't want to spoil it in case you haven't read it. And if you haven't read it, get off your duff and go read that book. Yeah, get off them duffs. So good. And it is going to smack you in the face. Uh, and it, the, the events at the end of last issue are recapped again in here. Uh, you get to see from uh, more basically see how the events unfolded, much more context, how it all went down, how it shook out. And um sort of the emotional impact that it's had on the Vision family. And just incredible. You get to see um, Vin, one of the twins, the male twin. He's in school, and he's he's like, he's emotional, and he's dealing with stuff. And um, you've, you've got, uh, what's uh, Virginia and Vision uh, sort of like dealing with stuff, coming to terms with, like their own yes, emotions. Yes, she is not Mrs. Vision. No, she is not Mrs. Vision at all. Like it's just, I'm, I'm selling it short because I don't want to give away too much. Right, I get you. You know, it's like no, absolutely. I really like this is one of those like special, out of left field type of books, and it's Gabriel Hernandez Walta. You know, we've loved him on Magneto and other books. This is like perfect. Mm-hmm. Such a good storyteller. Um, it's it's incredible. Tom King is you know one of those guys. I was not really familiar with his other work, but this is just phenomenal stuff. It's, yeah, uh, I'm, I met him at New York Comic Con, and he seemed very well balanced and just down to earth. And I was like, eh, I don't know if this guy's weird enough to write Vision. Yeah, boy. Yeah, he, he's proven me wrong. There's um there's some stuff in here, and I've been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack a lot, oh, okay. the cast recording, and cool. there's um there's a lot in that that's like very heavy and it's like gut punch city it's really good very good have you seen hamilton i did was it was it amazing it was 
my second favorite musical of all time behind Porcupine Racetrack. Oh, um, well. Nothing's... Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to top Porcupine Racetrack. No. That's that's an all-time classic. But it is so good. I've been listening to the cast recording pretty much on loop. Uh, wow. It's really good. And the last, like, third of it or last quarter of it is just emotionally devastating. Wow. So it's right. really good. So if you're in New York, New York City and you got some time and money to spare... <laughs> go, go, and you've and you've booked way in advance. Yeah. Go see, uh, go see Hamilton. You're welcome, yeah. Hamilton. I <laughs> uh, gotta pick. Uh, gotta do our trim of the week. Um, I can do that. For me, it's Star Wars. Nice. Uh, swipe that. Swipe that right away. I love it. I think I'm gonna go with Howard the Duck number two. That was a close second for me. So uh, I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, it's like re- it's still resonating with me. Yeah, so good. A lot of good stuff this week. Also on sale this week, collections. We've got all new X-Men Volume 3 in hardcover. Daredevil Volume 4, the autobiography of Matt Murdock. Deadpool by Posehn and Duggan, Volume 4 in hardcover. Deadpool vs. Thanos. Marvel 1872. Spider-Gwen, Volume 0, Most Wanted. Spider-Verse War Zones. Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 2, Squirrel You Know It's True, which we already talked about last week. A lot of these were uh, also listed last week, so there may have been something to do with the Thanksgiving holiday or something. Uncanny X-Men, Volume 6, Storyville in hardcover. Wolverine Epic Collection, Volume 8, The Dying Game. Very clever. Wolverine, it's that The Dying Game is no Squirrel You Know It's True, though. Have to agree. I, I, um, I definitely agree. I mean, it's good, but it's 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 no nothing's any squirrel, you know. It's true. Wolverine, Old Man Logan, Volume Zero, War Zones, and X Men: Years of Future Past. All right, where are we? Uh, digital Comics on sale. Is that where we are? Yeah, that's where we are. All right, Deadpool and Cable Split Second Infinite Comic Number Four, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite Comic Number Two. Uh, also on the app this week, tons of stuff. Black Panther eighteen through forty nine from the. Um, the 1998 volume. Yep. So Christopher the priest. priest. Yeah, the priest stuff. Christopher Priest stuff. Yeah, Good stuff. Go buy all of it. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 1 through 50. Then Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic War 1 through 5. The Knights of the Old Republic Handbook number 1. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic slash Rebellion Flipbook number 0. Uh, Star Wars Tag and Bank 2. Hey, where's the first? I don't. Hey, whatever. Maybe uh, they're just filling in gaps. Yeah, Star Wars: The Old Republic one through six. Star Wars: the, Star Wars: The Old Republic: The Lost Sons one through five. Wolverine eighty-seven through one hundred from the original nineteen ninety-eight uh, uh, ongoing series, and Wolverine: Night of Terror number one from nineteen ninety-five. Digital collections on sale this week. We've got Cable Classic Volume One, Captain America Corps. Spider-Verse, War Zones, Thunderstrike, Youth in Revolt, Uncanny X-Men Volume 6, Storyville, Wolverine Epic Collection, The Dying Game, Wolverine, The Reckoning, X-Men Legacy, Back to School, and X-Men Serve and Protect, or To Serve and Protect. Then over digital, freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, we've got Black Widow number 18, Hit Monkey number 3, Inferno number 1 from Secret Wars, Infinity Gauntlet number 1 from Secret Wars, Inhumans, Adelan Rising, number one. Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, number 12. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man, Web Warriors, number seven. Modoc Assassin, number one. Mythos, number three and four. Those are fully painted by Paulo Rivera, and they feature Spider-Man and Ghost Rider. Nova, number 31. 
Old Man Logan, number one, from Secret Wars. Shield, number six. Secret Wars 2099, number one. Secret Wars Journal, number one. Star Jammers, number three. Uncanny Avengers Ultron Forever, number one. And Where Monsters Dwell, number one. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. Ben, hit us with some news. All right, some news for comics. You guys like sketchbooks? We love sketchbooks. We talked about Daredevil number one earlier. We've got some great interior art, um, some designs, some cool stuff from Ron Garney talking about it. And also coming up, we got more Star Wars. We've got Obi-Wan and Anakin getting their own limited series. It's drawn by Marco Cacchetto. So he checked in with us. And then um, some news on what's coming up for Doctor Strange with Mr. Jason Aaron. Over in the world of games, we got Totally Awesome Hulk this week in the comics. That means, like we've discussed, you also got him in the games in Marvel Puzzle Quest. Okay, guys, back with a bonus game story. This is Ben, and I'm going to tell you about how Marvel is teaming up with NBA 2K. That's right, the best basketball video game there is. NBA 2K16 is now available, and if you go to the My Player store, you can outfit your My Player with gear from Marvel properties. This includes Captain America, Groot, Hawkeye, Hulk, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Thor, Hydra, Shield, even the Punisher. You can, you can put yourself in jerseys, you can put yourself in gear that resembles all your favorite Marvel characters. So if you are an NBA 2K16 player, if you're a Marvel fan, perfect opportunity. Combine the two. Marvel wearables are available now in the My Player Store on NBA 2K16 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Make sure you go and check it out. All right. Uh, let's toss it over to Stromy and the Wolfman uh, to get uh, some other stuff. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Hello there, baby. this week in Marvelite. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by Marvel.com assistant editor Kevin Klein. For a special installment of the Stromy and the Kevin Klein show, starring Kevin Klein and Stromy. This is special because we've got two special guests with us. Other than Kevin Klein? Other than Kevin Klein. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Whoa. I'm sorry Patrick the Wolfman couldn't make it here, but I'm glad that we have you. I loved you in that movie where you played a closeted gay guy. Well, you know, I was on the was set it, of... It was a comedy. I was on the set of The Big Chill. No, it wasn't The Big Chill. The Big Chiller. And I met this guy... Who said he worked for Marvel, and so we swapped spots for the day. Ah, that's great. That's great. No, but what was that movie? In and Out. Oh, In and Out. Yeah, there we go. Wait, did did we hear another special guest? Oh, did we? Who's here? Ryan. (laughs) And? Adri Cowan, social media manager. I love how Ryan just... It just says I recorded an, an hour and like 20 minutes or whatever already for this podcast. So <laughs> and now you're going to record another hour and 20 minutes. Oh, dear God. I'm so sorry, listeners. All right. Well, what we got to cover this week, Patrick? Uh, oh, let's, let's by the way, uh, Kevin, you're needed back on set. Hey, this is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. Oh, thank you for joining us, Patrick. We got next week. Next week is the big midseason finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you tuned in this week. A lot of stuff went down, so I'm not going to say anything about it because it's basically like spoiler a minute uh, with everything. But to him for the big mid-season finale because um, some pretty epic stuff goes down. I'm not even going to say anything about that because, again, the mid-season finale is kind of spoiler a minute. Not even everyone in this room knows all the spoilers. 
I haven't spoiled it for all of you. They eat a lot of pizza. What? Yeah, they... Then they have to take antacids. Wait, so before we started recording, Adri was just just like making fun of Patrick and, and oh, wait, what? Uh, of the Wolfman Astrami. She was like, "You guys, like as you started talking, you guys are gonna have to stop this." So, and then she makes the most asinine side comment. That's what I do. <laughs> That's why I'm here, y'all. Great. All right. Uh, Marvel's in Shield mid-season finale. We change the um, the. Uh, season premiere date for Marvel's Agent Carter has shifted. We It was previously January 5th. Now it is Tuesday, January 19th, still at 9, 8 central on ABC. Still a two-hour premiere event. Still 2016? Still 2016. Oh, yes, we did okay. not Phew. delay it by a year. No, Phew. just, just, just That was weeks. close. Just, Almost screwed up my DVR. Just two weeks. So tune into that then. Um, we Thank have you, s- Mr. President. <laughs> we uh, we uh, we have some more announcements that I don't know if we'll be out by the time yeah, this I comes say out. Anything. So uh, a couple uh, secrets. Yeah, I'm not going to say. How many E's? About those. How many E's in the, those secrets? Four. How many? So, how, many how many eyes? Just one eye. No, how, but let's talk about this because there is a correct spelling. Th- yeah. That's exactly what I was. Oh, yeah. That's what I was leading into is because uh, Agent M on Twitter. Do you still have, you don't have the underscore anymore? Not for like right, not for yeah, yeah. He lost the underscore a long time. Even he can't, I know he can't he lost find the his under, he can't seem to find his underscore anymore. I still have the underscored name, but it directs you to go to the oh the wow underscoreless name. I did that with my old username also. Anyways, uh, you what was always your old username? use Wolfman underscore cometh. Oh. oh, I remember that. Yeah, but then I contacted Twitter. I was like, just give me the Wolfman. They were like, okay. So, pretty good inside baseball references going on here as far as social media is concerned. But speaking of social media, Ryan, you're known to post hashtag secrets when you have stuff you can't share but would obviously like to. You always spell it the same way. Yes. And that would be hashtag S-E-E-E-E-K-R-I-T-S. Yes. Did we just hear an echo from another room? I think, so someone, I think, I think someone sneezed. I, I think, yeah. Um, what were you going to say, Ryan? I was going to say, we're in a very nicely, calmly lit room. This is like total nap central because I don't – I mean, we've been here for a couple hours. There are no meetings in this room. No, no. no. I mean, what do you think Patrick and I do most days? Hmm. <laughs> Has anything else gone on in the last week, Mark? Well, we didn't talk about it last week, but I think Ryan did. We had the Civil War trailer, Marvel's Captain America Civil War. First trailer dropped. It uh, shattered our previous global record with, right? That's the right way for it? Yes. I just want like, global record. That sounded funny for global record. Which is weird because no one even wanted to see that trailer. No, not at all. Nobody no, wants to see a not trailer. at all. No, nobody, nobody. nobody was asking us on a minute basis Adrian, on Twitter. as a social media manager, you were constantly tweeting things from various Twitter accounts saying, hey, is anybody interested in seeing the Marvel's Captain America Civil War twa- trailer? E- e- except she... <laughs> I turned into Howard the Duck there for a moment. She, she would tweet... Yeah, she'd just make up dummy accounts and tweet this at Marvel, some frequently using much more expletives um, in her request for the trailer. Yeah. And uh, we had to tell her, stop. 
Adrian, nobody wants to see this thing. Well, it turns out 61 million of you wanted to see this thing. Or one person wanted to see it 61 million times. Oh, yeah. yeah, his name was Patrick. Um, anyway, yes, that happened. It's all very exciting. Uh, I think that's it for film and TV, big film and TV stuff this week. Uh, I didn't get to mention it last week, but for those of you who are fans of Marvel's Jessica Jones, which I believe everyone is. That's, that's the status, right? Everyone is a fan of Marvel's Jessica Jones. I've yet to see any negative things because there is nothing negative to say about that show. It's awesome. I wouldn't challenge our fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, you know what? Enjoy it. The end. <laughs> but for, for those of you who have already enjoyed it and you're like, wow, this Jessica Jones character is real neat. She's a real character. Real cool. Uh, we put together a reading list for you of some comic books that you can seek out, purchase through Comixology, or if you're already a member of Marvel Unlimited, you can read them that way, or what a great reason to sign up. If only there were some sort of deals on Marvel Unlimited currently. I think they might be over by the time this podcast goes but live. But nice try to synergistically yeah. plug our, I tr- I our, tried. our I other. I tried. I your efforts. It's, Patrick's actually very good at finding ways to sneak in little cross promotions. Also, it's it's the holidays almost, so what a great gift to get somebody Marvel Unlimited. You can all read comics by the fire. <laughs> On your mobile devices. Or, or phones. That's the same thing, Mark. Or, actually... This is no joke. You can pick up the Alias Omnibus um, on Amazon, and it's like 80 bucks, but it's the whole thing together, and it's hardcover, and it's a really great gift. If, it, if it's, it's hardcover, co- it sounds like it would be pretty tough to pick up. And, <laughs> and, and it's also for mature rears only, so do not buy this for your six-year-old niece or nephew and be like, Six-year-olds don't know how to read anyway, Here, Mark. Jane. Here, Timmy. Read some comics. Um, your your brother or sister, whoever's kids they are, would not appreciate you getting them that that gift. The uh, and if you don't want to shell out the eighty dollars for the omnibus, there are three trade paperbacks and I think a fourth on the way. That yes, will collect the entire thing. That's true. That is All right. true. Yeah, my facts brought the room down. I like that. Everybody was like, "Oh, quiet." Like, oh, okay, we get it. Facts, man. All right, over here. what we got to talk about for the next hour and ten minutes? Patrick, uh, we don't have any animation this week, do we? No. All right. Well, we're off in animation for a little while. But make sure to cartoon in every day. Cartoon in? Cartoon in. What is, what is that? Like, get it? Like, instead of tune in, cartoon in. Because, like, cartoon. Do you know what cartoons are? <laughs> tune in. See, this t- comment, <laughs> folks, I would say remember to tip your waitresses, but this level of comedy isn't even worth also, tipping Steve your waitresses Wacker. for. I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Wacker. He coined that phrase. Uh, that makes it even worse. Yeah, that... Th- There's a video of him auditioning for Broadway that we shot seven years ago, and I don't think we ever put it out. And I don't know if we have the rights to use some of the things in the video anymore, but I really want to try and find a way to make this happen. He and I were talking about this if, a couple weeks ago. If you want to see Steve Wacker acting ever, though, you can always pick up... Um, uh, the American president, and you can see him in the background handing a file to the president. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Speaking of musicals, are there any musicals you currently recommend, Ryan Panagos? Oh, you mean like Hamilton? 
Adri, did anyone make you listen to Hamilton on the ride here? I know all the words. No, I don't. But that whole soundtrack over and over again, it was amazing. You only listened to the first <laughs> half of it. Oh, really? Yeah. No wonder there were so many repeating songs. It's thematic. I, it was my first time listening to it. It was excellent. I actually really like the mix of musical genre. Yeah. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. The musical mix of Jean-Claude Van Damme's. If Grimes doesn't sing it, I don't listen to it. I, the, what's the guy who did Hamilton, the musical? Well, Miranda. Yeah, I read that he did the cantina music. Yeah, how crazy is that? That's awesome. So that's what made me listen to it today, and I know you're a big fan. What'd you think? As someone who's not probably much of a Broadway guy? I'm not Broadway. much of a Broadway guy. That's going to blow out everybody's ears. I'm so sorry. <sighs> Uh, I'm yeah, it is, my it is definitely Broadway. It's definitely a bunch of songs about uh, Jonathan Hamilton or whatever. Yeah. Alexander. Alexander sure. Graham Bell. Oh, yeah. He coined he coined a mint. <laughs> so we we have so had. You guys don't we, listen to the soundtrack before seeing the show because it's total spoilers. We went in and we were saying, Adri, come on in, help us with the podcast. Alexander Hamilton. We have. Two things to talk about at most, <laughs> and we've stretched that into 11 minutes. Alexand- so let's say... <laughs> Alexander Hamlin, Hamilton, a, a historical figure that lived 200 years ago. Spoiler alert, guys, he dies. <laughs> 200 what? years ago. Harry Hamlin. Okay, also, president. I want to make sure that anyone else in the world remembers this commercial that I brought up to oh, Yes, Aaron Burr and yes. the milk. Yes, of course. Thank we you. talked to him already about this? No. I, How do you not remember to... the Got Milk? That's like one of the most famous Got Milk I'm going out to Broadway. Ooh, boo. Didn't Michael Bay so direct? I think this. Michael Bay directed you know, that. No, because does anyone ad. remember this? It's a milk commercial, and there's. I'm that telling guy. you, I remember it. Okay, Why are you talking into the, the microphone? Okay, guys, great. Okay, I still have my two minute long wrap up to get to. Okay, so let's get to that. Well, this is Kevin Klein. I gotta go back home to my beautiful wife Phoebe Cates. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Kevin Clyde. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Thank you for joining I us, Adrian. <laughs> oh, I came back because I left my copy of Dave on VHS. I, I thought you guys were going to watch it, but you were babbling about nonsense. I want. I want to thank you all for listening once again. We'll talk with you again in seven more days. Uh, until then, I hope you have a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous week, and as always, I apologize for the Wolfman. Questions and comments for you, and we're going to kick things off right away with Brit Monster says, uh, tweeting to Unbeatable Squirrel Girl says, This month's issue is far out, man. Hashtag groovy. <laughs> uh, Kate Bangert says, So I'm a little behind in my comics and thus behind on this week of Marvel. Trying to ca- yes, exactly. Says, Trying to catch up and has a big stack of probably like 30 books. Yeah, can't like see that. what they are though because they're on their side. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, Chadwick, Chad Bad says, you know what I'm thankful for? This Week in Marvel, episode 213. Hashtag intern Tucker. Yeah. Well, I think he was he was thanking you, me, and then he didn't know Tucker's Twitter name. Got it. Got it. So, And I forget what it is. It's something about being afraid of sharks or sea monsters or something. Yes, that all of that. Something along those lines. <laughs> Chris Vaughn, Immortal Thor 99. Stromy's laugh equals madcap. Oh, Strami would be a great madcap. So perfect. Nailed who, it. Who, who do we get in touch with for that? <laughs> Whacker? 
yeah, Wacker cast Stromy as Madcap for, I don't know, any and all of the cartoons. Um, CW Vibes says, we, we, and then four hearts. I don't, is this a, is I, this a internet I saw thing? this and I pulled it in. I was like, this is so weird. It's someone who just is really excited about Civil War. Great. Uh, I had just lots of heart emojis. I don't know what PTN means, but. I, I don't know what that means either. Uh, yeah, maybe someone on the internet will tell us. Speaking of Civil War, are we going to get that trailer anytime soon? You know, people keep asking for it. Who's to say? Who's to say? Daniel Willis is to say, is Secret Wars 2 even real? That's the T-O-O one. And yes, it's definitely real. We read it. We talked about it. It exists. It's in my home. Um, I'm going to have to go check my my copy after this to make sure. It, I mean, you you remember it, right? I do. I okay. Think. So it's yeah. a real thing. All right. Um, Vader down without question. Twin of the week. So pumped to read the rest of this. Good choice. DJ, DJ Fanko. I like the design of Mockingbird's new outfit. She's a character with a lot of baggage and potential. Can't wait. So much excitement about Mockingbird. And I think that is just awesome to see. It really goes to show you that just when you think we've explored all of Marvel's characters, guess what? We have thousands more who have just as much potential as an Iron Man or a Hulk or a Captain America. And I think Mockingbird's a prime example of that. You know what we're going to have to do? A little Twim URC with some Jim McCann Mockingbird action. Oh, my goodness. We could probably get him uh, on the line. <laughs> yes. With, I don't... Without a doubt, because he was texting me about 50 times trying to help him get into one of the Star Wars races. Yeah, uh, well, so... then he owes you big time. He also created... I didn't get him in. Oh, no, of course I not. I can't. No, why would you? <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to Jim McCann. We love you. Thanks for uh, thanks for making Mockingbird's brother's name Ben. Because um, <laughs> that'll come up at some point. Um, I actually read it in a in an official Marvel handbook entry, which is which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, also from DJ Fanko, I'm cooking waffles and reading comics. What do you want on yours? Uh, I'm always. You know what I like. You know what I like on my waffles. Mm. Same thing I like on my pancakes. Peanut butter, chunky what? peanut butter. What? Get as much protein in there as I can. Shut the front door, dude. It's delicious. Wow. You should um, give it a try. It's really good. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just a syrup and butter man. I'm easy. Yeah. Um, let's see. Gareth Hatfield says, "Man, thing sing probably more due to him wearing green shirt." Band our Age of Atlas from UK. Give them a listen. I have no idea what's going on. No, this is this is hardcore Britishism. I so apparently this is beyond should... like the hello pork pie stuff. <laughs> Apparently we should give Age of Atlas uh, a listen. Give him a uh, listen. Yeah. You know what's not helping my fascination with doing a terrible British accent? Playing the new Assassin's Creed game where it's oh, like yeah? Victorian London and they all speak like how I want to try to speak but always fail miserably. It's great. That's the one. That's Is that the one where I was watching and I was like, oh, this is like Les Mis, the video game? I guess. They don't sing. Uh, no, I know, but you know, they're fighting in revolution yeah. in europe and obviously i don't make distinctions between no, french and british it's not that at all no it's not there's that at no all. revolution it's uh set in victorian london you meet charles darwin oh okay florence nightingale and it's it's terrific i highly so, recommend it all right uh gareth also says only just twigged age of atlas could sound that they're named after pre-marvel days not just happy coincidence again i'm not sure what's going yeah. on I do like the use of twigged. What does that mean? I don't know what it means, but I like the use of it. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Gareth, thank you for confusing us. It's wonderful. Uh, Gay Comic Guy says, All I heard in my head in that first Luke Cage scene of Jessica Jones is Agent M and Ben Moore saying, Unbreakable Bone Zone. Uh, uh. We're, 
the theme of this podcast is the bone zone uh based on the comments we'll get there's a lot of them a lot of bone zone stuff a lot of bone zone stuff uh and it's funny like explaining to elizabeth my wife that yeah the bone zone is just a part of you know the podcast now and yeah i totally it appropriate at home and it's funny yeah it's we've, we've used we've used it in everyday life but uh yeah. definitely we applaud as i'm getting further and further into jessica jones uh the tv show i am really enjoying how they're expanding the the marvel universe bone zone totally um, like, like never before <laughs> Uh, Haywood HWV says uh, to Blake probably the best podcast you ever did hashtag great job and then he's talking about the Jessica Jones episode yeah featured on uh, on the iTunes homepage very good kudos to Blake for always killing it Uh, Haywood says to you his last week's pick was uncanny in humans number two drama and time travel woes make a good mix couldn't agree more and uh, then he was having some trouble with PvP and Avengers Alliance. Uh, Poor he, he always has trouble in the last hours of uh, PvP and always tries to to get us to console him. But we've we've long since given up on PvP. Yeah, long since. Long since. Jim Esquivel says, "Oh, this is a nice one." Yeah, heard wrestling talk for the last time on this week in Marvel. So long and f you to Agent M and Ben Morris. Too bad you guys don't give up. Bleep. Um, is he saying F you like a reference to uh, John Cena's old finishing move? Maybe. That's what the attitude adjustment used to be called. Ooh. Okay. So there's some more wrestling talk for you. I mean, someone's so upset that we talk wrestling for like five minutes in yeah. uh, a very long podcast. It's Hey, whatever works for you. I, I think that's the, the best thing you could do is not listen to something that's going to upset Agreed. you. Agreed. Um, you can always counter by listening to Cheap Heat, where they spend lots of time not talking about wrestling. But wait, I looked just looked at this guy at Jim Esquivel's Twitter. He has retweeted something about Daniel Bryan hmm. and and supporting something called Trek Renegades. Does he it, maybe just not agree with our viewpoints on wrestling? Uh, maybe. Uh, like, he also liked his own post. Oh well, the, his own tweet a, about that's a mark of class. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of baseball in his stuff. Uh, hey. Could it be? Could it be John Cerilli? <laughs> it could be, because uh, I know know. He is not a fan of of, of us on the podcast. <laughs> uh, regardless, hey man, best of luck to you and your future endeavors. Enjoy. Yep. Uh, other great podcasts about comics. All the best to you. Um, Jim Radloff, my Radcast. With events like the Infinity Gauntlet Challenge, is it fair to call certain fans the Mighty Marvel Running Society? Ooh. ooh. I, think that, I think that's a good one for you. I love do you it. Wanna, do you want to make that happen? Uh, unofficially, sure. Uh, if I were to do it officially, I don't, I don't know yet. Well, we're not talking about officially. Right. That's, no, we can't get into that. John Dave McCuskers, I so is it May yet? And then we have a picture of the Captain America Civil War poster. Yep, looking very nice. Yeah, hopefully that hopefully that trailer will be out soon. We can talk about that. Fingers crossed. Johnny Vinyl never knew what you guys meant by Bone Zone, but after a few episodes of Jessica Jones, I think I got it. Tow. Thank you, Jessica Jones, and thank you, uh, Johnny. Yeah, and thank you, Johnny. I pimped Legendary on this week in Marvel, and the guy said I should be hired. Then someone bought it. And the guy said they should get a raise. Right. That's how business works. Yeah. We we didn't go to business school for nothing. Exactly. Let's just get 
cheated out of our well-earned shekels. <laughs> Old Man Lash. Um, how have I just discovered Disney and Marvel make this? This is Sum Sums, right? Yeah, it's Sum Sums. Sum Sums. They're so cute. Yeah, they are incredibly cute. Uh, CB Savolsky posted some interesting Sum Sum stuff uh, yeah. when he was last traveling abroad. So mm. go follow him on Twitter uh, to see some cool stuff. What could it all mean? Mm. Penelope Cat says, another tough week to pick a twin of the week. Going to pick both both Thor and Captain America. Good choices. Yep. Says, many great other choices, but Thor was so strong. Captain America is a great blend of action and humor. So many other good choices. Vader Down, Star Wars, Ms. Marvel, Star-Lord, Extraordinary X-Men, and Spider-Woman. I am spoiled, he says. So everything. Yes. Uh, That's the kind of fan we like. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Penelope Cat says, I'm excited by so many all-new, all-different Marvel books. I'm actually planning on buying a bunch instead of waiting for Unlimited. Thank you. Honestly, thank you. Because one of the things, you know, there's two ways to really make sure the books that you love keep going is to buy them when they come out and pre-order them. Please pre-order your comics from your local comic shop. Let them know you want them. That guarantees them a sale. And that is, like, the best way to keep a book going. All right. Continuing, he says, biggest surprise, Black Knight, an impulse purchase based on how much I love Weird World, and it turned out to be super fun. Glad you liked it. He says, I really love Black Knight's blend of high fantasy and Marvel superhero action. Perfect. I uh, I spoke to Frank Thierry when he was in the office last week about his future Black Knight plans, and uh, if you, you like the mix of the superhero and the fantasy, you will definitely not be disappointed by what's coming up. Awesome. Uh, Penelope Katz has been continuing Tomb of Dracula where Twim URC left off. It just gets better and better. That That's is exciting. Awesome. These are like the best string of tweets. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Penelope Cat may be a Twimmer of the week. Mm. Uh, he says, is anyone else having trouble reading Hulk 113 for Twim URC? I keep getting an error when I try. There are actually, uh, there are two Hulk 113s. One has a blacked out cover and one does not. Mm. Read the one that does not have the blacked out cover. And it I'm going be in the unlimited, right? It's all in the unlimited, but what it makes it, it makes it look like they're two separate issues. Cause I thought they were two separate issues. So I'm going to go in and fix that. But if you guys hear this and it's taken a while to upload or something, and you're confused. There should only be four issues and, um, one of the 113 should work. All right. We'll take a look into that one. Thank you, Penelope Cat. Uh, he says, too many good Marvel books this week to pick a twin of the week. May cop out and go with Jessica Jones on Netflix. Ooh, hey, I like that's it. That's an interesting cop out. And then he says, like wait, it. actually, my twin of the oh. week has to be Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So much going for it not to pick it. A Marvel comic about a young African-American girl who loves science and education would have been enough, really. Adding in not just any dinosaur, but Devil Dinosaur just makes it even more desirable. Best of all, it's fantastic. And then Penelope Cat wraps up, says, It would have been, it would have had to have to be special to stand out in a week with Silver Surfer, Squirrel Girl, Silk, Darth Vader, and Groot. Well we- said. Go over to Raph AB, who says, Hashtag Bone Zone Action. I love that hashtag. After five seconds of Jessica Jones. Great start. <laughs> really, we should take um, some credit, just as we did for that legendary thing for the success of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Because we prepped. We yeah. uh we, we primed the pump, as it yeah. were, for uh for all this excitement over the bone zone action. We helped lay the bones in the zone for everybody to get to the bone zone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh a Jameson sign in Luke's bar. I guess it's not a J. Jonah Jameson reference, but still. I'm gonna guess if there's a Jameson sign in there, it's a reference to a different kind of Jameson. 
Yes, 100%. 100% proof. Um, Gold Ball died in Uncanny X-Men 598 or 599. That's why I was surprised to see him in Uncanny 600. I still... I think you may have misread a scene, Raph. I, I, I think he may... Because I, I think I know what you're talking about, and I don't think he actually died. So Gold, Ball, Gold Balls lives on in our hearts and in our minds. And in the comics. And in the comics as well. Yeah. Daredevil and Jessica Jones are based in Hell's Kitchen. Luke Cage protects Harlem. What about Iron Fist? Times Square? UWS? UES? <laughs> upper West Side, Upper East Side. <laughs> UWS? UES? <laughs> I like the idea of Iron Fist just being responsible for Times Square. Ugh. There's enough going on there that it would keep him busy. Ugh, so gross. Yeah. Uh, can we get Will Traval in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Making him face Clark Gregg would be pretty epic. That would. You gonna, uh, you gonna do it? I don't want to say anything more. Because I don't think you're you're. How far are you into Jessica Jones? Into Jessica Jones, I'm only four episodes. Oh boy. Okay. Zipping them lips. All right. Very good. Uh, a little early, but happy Hanukkah to Ben Morse. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah to you as well. Don't eat too much donuts. I right. don't know what that is a reference to. So, can, can you tell me? I I read this and I was like, wait, is Hanukkah like a time to eat donuts? As I mean. In my years of being half Jewish, I have never heard of this. Because I'm not a religious person, but I will consider any religion which right. says, hey, just eat donuts and do cool stuff. You're ready to come to Judaism now. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. There's there's definitely a lot of eating stuff involved in, in Hanukkah. I do love and food. And the other ones. So, you know, maybe something to look into. Potato pancakes. And, oh, I uh, love latkes. Mm. All that good stuff. So, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I need to find... Peter David's Hanukkah story, which I'm guessing maybe this is where the reference comes from. Found the issue, Marvel Holiday Special 1992. Now I just need to find it in a comic store. Well, good luck to you, Raph. Happy hunting. Is that the one with Santa on the cover by Art Adams? I have no idea. Mm, mm, Might be. Might be. I don't know. Reynaldo says <laughs> uh, to Arbitrary Genius, I've seen only the opening credits and listened to this week in Marvel podcast of JJ interviews. Opening credits are cool. Reynaldo, get up in that. Watch yeah, show, I love that. Please. I do love that theme song, though. It's good. Especially the second half of it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Williams says, listening to episode 212 of the podcast, my pick of Mjolnir, I got the power of Thor. I don't need to do work. Hashtag mere mortals. <laughs> like uh, it. Yes. Uh, Ricky also says, took a break from comics due to studying, so decided to read Secret Wars back-to-back, was considering including the tie-ins as well. But that's it. Ricky, what else? We, <laughs> you're leaving us on a cliffhanger, buddy. Yeah, let us know what happened, Ricky. Totally. Rob Nolan says, listening to This Week of Marvel 211.5 with Blake Garris on the walk to the gym yesterday in preparation for a weekend of Jessica Jones. That's excellent prep. It's great. Blake says, Harris is probably on the way to the gym as well. <laughs> probably. He says, it's a great Always episode. Is. A great episode with some nice tidbits from members of the cast and crew. Thanks to Blake for putting that one together. Lots of kudos to Blake on that one. Well yeah, deserved. Yeah, should we, should we pass these along? He's tagged in all of them. Oh, all right. He should know. I don't know if he goes on Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rob says, it didn't hit me that Trish Walker was Patsy, Patricia, and then 211.5 made me look it up. Duh. How did I miss that? No shame, man. You got it. You got it eventually. You, you, there's like a really, there's a couple more very specific Patsy things that happen throughout this show. That are yeah, I've already seen a few. Okay. So. Yeah. 
Ross Meyer, Devil Dinosaur was a villain in Next Wave, and Next Wave was confirmed as canon during Mighty Avengers recently since Spectrum remembered it. Will this be addressed in Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Now, you're the Next Wave expert here, but I believe it was said that that was not necessarily the Devil Dinosaur we know and love. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the same Devil Dinosaur. Our, right. our Devil doesn't stand like that with an overcoat and drinking little martinis and all that stuff. It's like just there's so many things that could be from different uh, universes, realms, dimensions in, in Next mm-hmm. Wave um, that I it's like don't get caught up on that. I don't think it has to right. be anything remotely resembling the same thing. Uh, the devil dinosaur that is in Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is the classic devil dinosaur, not the one that was in Next Wave, not the one that we saw in uh, um, uh, Planet Hulk, uh, the Secret Wars book. World yeah. War, yeah, Planet Hulk, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there, are, like many things in in the Marvel multiverse, there are numerous iterations that we can experience and enjoy. And what a world we live in, where there is multiple devil dinosaurs. Right? It's pretty great. The devil's dinosaur. Scott Bailey says, want to start reading comics with my five and eight-year-old girls. Where should I start? Um, Well, a great place to start, I guess, right now would be the Marvel Universe titles. Um, Those are all ages appropriate. Also, if you look up the old Marvel Age titles on Marvel Unlimited, that's a cool place to start. Um, Or, you know, just anything that you loved as a kid that you think might be appropriate. Uh, I would also say, you know, they're Ms. Marvel, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are going to be pretty great um, because, they, you know, they're young female superheroes, um, a little bit older than your girls, Scott, but still, I think maybe give them a try. Be yeah. Cool. And, and, and if you guys are reading them together, you know, you can kind of filter if you think, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily want them exposed to this or that. Not that there's horrible, horrific stuff going on in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, but (laughs) if there's something you don't feel like explaining to them, then, you know, just read, read what you got. Yeah. And Captain Marvel, I think, you know, another one put in there, just providing like awesome superhero role models to your girls is, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities now. So please enjoy. Let us know. Let us know how it works out. Seth, Six Airy, we need a series of D-Man and Rage. I'm all I'm on board for that one. One million percent agreement. Maybe co-written by Jason Latour and the person who did the D-Man story. Who did the D-Man story? Oh, I forget his name. I apologize. He was like that was his first thing. All right, where are we going to next? We've got Simon Williams. He says uh, three episodes in, and I'm thinking Jessica Jones should have been called Bone Zone the series. I love it. That is probably the tweet of the week. It gets 100 twin points. Simon Williams also says, Jessica Jones is one of the darkest, creepiest things Marvel has ever done. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Simon says, Luke Cage was one of my favorite parts of Jessica Jones. Makes me even more excited for his show now. Simon, I um, got knowing what's in store for Luke Cage and like the things that we're doing with that show, I am so beyond excited. It's going to be great. Um, he says, I'm glad the Civil War trailer came out, so everyone... It YouTube, did? Ben, we had no idea. Oh my goodness, what a shock. Yes. we talk, Remember, we talked about it last week. Right, right. 
That was a week ago. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving and all sorts of stuff has happened since. Uh, Simon says, I'm glad the Civil War, tra- Civil War trailer came out. So everyone on YouTube can stop asking, when is the Civil War, War trailer coming out? It's not just YouTube. It was Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Smashgram. Smashface. T- toilet. Graham, Graham, Graham. The, the all cloud. The, yeah, all the clouds and everything. All up in the cloud. Yep. Uh, and Simon says, Twin of the week is Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. One issue in, and Lunella is already one of my favorite characters. Yes, cool. and that's an excellent one. Scott, Scott Bailey from a couple questions I was just going to say, ago. we forgot about that one. Boom, yeah. Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. You can Read pick it. up with it right away. Yeah. Tech, Tech Lord. Lord, Lex Pendragon. Go ahead. He just says, you're right, Ben Morris. This never gets old, and it's a picture of things saying it's clobbering time. Whilst he clobbers. I agree. I am correct. All right. Tim Keese. Spider-Pack Day. Amazing Spider-Man 1 through 3. Spider-Woman number 1. Spider-Man 2099 1 through 3. Next, Captain America Sam Wilson 1 through 2. By the way, you were off the week that the last issue of Spider-Man 2099 came out. So I didn't get a chance to say to you, are you glad at the uh, twist at the end of the last issue? Very much so. Although, like, I just... Yeah, I, I hope it wraps up in a way that m- makes me feel uh, fully satisfied. I concur, but I know that's something we were talking about, so yeah. I meant to uh, bring that up with you. Yeah, I should have oh, known. I yeah. should have known Peter would would do something cool like that. Exactly. Uh, just went through Doctor Strange one and two, Drax one, and Extraordinary X Men one and two. Doctor Strange gives perfect insight into his life with just enough humor to keep him relatable. Wasn't planning on getting Extraordinary X Men, but a friend forced me. Wow, that's uh quite a friend so glad i did the appearance at the end of book one makes my day storm's hair still gets me but magic sword makes up for it storm's hair is glorious my my humble opinion just read silk number one wasn't expecting it to be that intriguing by the end looking forward to book number two and finally read chewbacca number one through four i love the colors and that you can't tell what chewy is saying had high expectations y'all delivered i mean i know what Chewie's saying yeah 100 percent we have Chewy translators. Yeah, on on call 24-7. Yep. Wrapping it up, Zach Ritzman says, Holy crap, Ariel Olivetti's art in Venom Space Night is incredible. Probably the best I've ever seen. Three exclamation points. Wow, high praise. Totally. And, uh, yeah, it's great. If we, Are we sure we haven't done the last Avenger story for Twim URC? I don't think we've done it. If we haven't, that's going to be one of my future choices because I love Good. that story so much. I love it. I like it too, and I haven't read it in ages, so yeah. look forward to revisiting. Uh, finally, Zach says, what do we have to do to get this version of Howling Commandos on TV? So much fun. Manphibian is a star in the making. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. I don't know what we can do. Uh, other Just keep than, buying the book. Yeah. Tell Keep keep making campaigns and online petitions. Yes, all of those things. All the online petitions. Oh boy! All right, I think we're running on we're running on fumes here. Yeah, maybe time to put this one in the books. Put it in the books to bed. Uh, all right, so next week we've got Twim URC. We sure do. Incredible Hercules. It's a nice, quick, easy read, guys, and I will get it fixed. So by the time you listen to this, you will be able to access it without problems. Terrific. And uh, I'm gonna be gone for the next couple of days. So see ya. Uh, well, actually, I guess I'll be back around the time most of you are listening to this. So, hello. Goodbye. This is Marvel.
Yeah!